Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. These self-checkout machines that are popping up more and more over the last five to ten years. Those have opened up a Pandora's box for a lot of people who would not even be perhaps predisposed to getting something for nothing or testing system because there's been some studies while they're there to kind of save money by not having to hire as many workers and to pay them and all that. They're finding that a lot of stores who have them are experiencing an uptick in shoplifting. Mike. I have something to confess. You didn't scan something at the store and somehow it walked out the door with you, right? That's exactly where I was going. A couple of years ago, I was at a drugstore and I think they had to buy X number of energy drinks and get one free. Yes, I know. Energy drinks, probably not the healthiest purchase. And I thought I'd scanned all of them. But when I paid, I noticed there was one missing on the receipt on the screen. Everything was already in the bag, though. I'd already paid. So I just kind of walked out. I am so disappointed in you. Not because, proud of it. Of course, I've never done anything like that. Here's the thing, though. An energy drink is nothing compared to what we're talking about this week. Not even close. In late March, a 15-foot-tall red spoon disappeared from outside a Phoenix Dairy Queen. Surveillance cameras captured two people unscrewing it and driving away with it on a small motorbike, according to the Associated Press. That is not the getaway vehicle I would have imagined for a theft of that nature. I was thinking more about maybe a big peanut buster cup with wheels. But either way, that heist was pulled off successfully. Did they ever find the spoon? They did. It was found a few days later near a middle school baseball field by a man playing Pokemon Go. But there has not been an arrest made in the case. I'm your host, Mike Rogers, and that guy who turned a buy two get one free into a buy one get two free is accused felon Chris Blake, and this is something offbeat. This week I spoke with uh, Terrence Shulman. He's the founder of the Shulman Center for Compulsive Theft, Spending, and Hoarding, about why someone might want to steal a spoon that's way too big to eat with. I work with people who have chronic problems with different forms of stealing. Shoplifting is the most common. is probably about 50% of my clientele. And I work with people from around our great country as well as uh, around the globe. And then I also work with employee theft. Uh, and then I also work with people who have problems with overshopping, overspending, and or cluttering or hoarding. It's really interesting. Those are three things. I think all of us know someone who has at least one of those problems. You we know. probably know people who have had all the problem. We just don't know because they probably haven't talked about it. Those are more common than you think. I'm not justifying it. I'm not saying, especially with the stealing problems, that there shouldn't be consequences. Tell me this about the Dairy Queen spoon, the giant red spoon outside the DQ in Phoenix. What was your initial reaction to that? My first thought was like, I, I do have a sense of humor. Like my first thought was probably some people were just playing a prank. And, and as far as I know, they've not been caught, the two or three individuals who took it, although the spoon was recovered, thankfully, I'm sure people got a big laugh. But after a while, you know, I mean, I did read the article and I, the news and, you know, I don't know what reason the people had. Apparently, they're still at large. And according to the AP, it would have cost the store owners $7,000 to replace. 
People don't often think when they're taking things. And I didn't think I was hurting anybody because sometimes you depersonalize it like, oh, I'm not taking from an individual. I'm taking from a business, from a store, from a company, from the workplace. I'm not justifying, but I think some people really don't play it through and think either how it could really harm the people, some people, not just the amorphous entity, but actual people. And they often don't think they're going to get caught and how it could end up adversely affecting them. Or this could just fall into the category of dumb things we do when we're young. Absolutely. We don't know. It's possible. Although I have a funny saying because a lot of my clients who come to me and at least half of them are 50 or older and they've been stealing in one way, shape or form for a while. But they often will say, I'm I'm too old for this. <laughs> and I go, you know, probably if you're even older than 12 years old and you're already a teenager, you're probably too old for it. But I get you. But but we're, we're often too old for a lot of things we do getting drunk and, and making a fool of ourselves, you know, over shopping and not paying the credit card bills, all these different things. So it isn't really a matter of age or not age. I think some people, whether they're young or old, but I, but I get your point. What's the draw of stealing things that are out there publicly that, that are very visible? Or is that the appeal in and of itself? Well, well, I must admit that I haven't done anything like that. And and probably very, very few of my clients have done anything quite like that where they've stolen like, you know, something on public display. But I think uh, some people uh, think it's going to be a, a really big prank that people are going to be talking about and they can kind of laugh and quietly tell people about and and and, and maybe kind of, you know, something big, you know, that, that's going to make the news like that. So that could be one reason. But again, it could also be that we don't know what's going on in their inner lives. Who knows? Maybe they're bored. Maybe they're lonely. Maybe they got nothing better to do. I don't know. But I like to believe in people that most people are decent, even if they do some bad things. But it really does beg the question. But I, I have to believe they they just thought it would you know make the press. And it did. What made you interested in helping people who shoplift? I had a kind of a bad problem with shoplifting from age 15 to 25 to a lesser degree with employee theft. But I was a almost a straight A student. I wasn't into drugs. I wasn't breaking laws. I was, you know, helping my mom and my younger brother out after my folks got divorced when I was 11. But something began to split off, and I got into this shoplifting behavior. Particularly, it 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 was nickel and dime stuff. I wasn't working with the team. I wasn't selling things. Stealing is stealing. But at some point, I didn't even realize it was developing a bit into a habit, if not. Uh, eventually an addiction, which is a new way of thinking about it, does not apply to everybody, is not an excuse, but it was really hard for me to stop. Was there a single event that made you realize you had a problem? That's a good question. I think it was a number of things, but probably having cheated on my girlfriend of three years, which is something I thought I would never do because I had been cheated on. My father had had affairs. And I thought, even though I was stealing, I thought that was one thing I was incapable of doing. But I did that. And that really caused, and, and then I, I confess, but obviously that didn't make everything better. But also I had a feeling I was going to get caught shoplifting again any day now, which ended up happening. Did you ever take any big ticket items? from a local store. I, I took the Sunday New York Times. I took a bunch of bagels and cream cheese and veggies, like the whole spread and brought it back to my girlfriends at the time who was living with some roommates. I stayed with her on the weekend sometimes. Chris, have you seen the price of the Sunday New York Times lately? I have. It's like $6. And I know it's a little bit dated at this point, but if I have a free Sunday, 
I do like to go out and get it every once in a while. I always end up regretting it, though, because I never come remotely close to getting through all those stories. And, and when you don't, then you feel guilty because you didn't get your money's worth. Exactly. But about that free Sunday breakfast that Shulman took to his then-girlfriend's place. And I'm Mr. Santa Claus, and everybody, oh, you're so generous. So I don't know, maybe that was like $20, $25 worth of stuff. I wasn't a high-end guy, though some of my clients have gotten into some real muckety-muck, but the great majority... It's kind of inexpensive stuff that they could afford and pay for, but the getting something for nothing is kind of like the high or the rush, and then it can become kind of a habit. So did you ever get caught shoplifting? I got caught twice. The first time I was age 21, I was uh, a senior in college at University of Michigan, Ann Arbor. And I remember uh, I had started shoplifting probably in my junior year. So a little over a year at that point, I, I mean, I had done it earlier in high school and then I stopped for a while, but it started again. And uh, I got caught trying to take a cassette tape, Pink Floyd, the double cassette of The Wall, uh, which is a great album all about alienation, which was kind of what I was kind of in a way feeling. But And I remember uh, just the electronic gate kind of ringing and I had taken things from the store before and I didn't even know about electronic gates. and. I was just paralyzed, and this woman ran after me, and I think she was the manager, grabbed me, pulled me to the back of the store. Then what happened next? I am, like, shaking and feeling like my life is over, and that in uh, descending order of importance uh, and fear, there were three fears that came to mind. The first fear, which was bad enough, was that I was going to get arrested and put in jail. That was my first fear. Then my second fear, which was a little bigger, was that I was going to get expelled from college a half a year before I was about to graduate. And my third fear, which was the biggest one of all, that somehow my mom would find out that her wonderful so-called perfect son has gotten caught shoplifting. None of those happened, and I got a slap on the wrist, and for six months I totally kept out of trouble and vowed that I would never do this again. We're going to cut you some slack on the Pink Floyd, though, because that was a great album. I have that album, by the way, Chris, on vinyl and cassette. You know what those are, right? Or are you too young? I actually have a small record player, and I have a few albums on vinyl, but we had cassettes growing up, of course, until CDs came out. Then we had both for a while, which, in hindsight, looking back on it, that combo boombox with the CD player and cassette player, I don't really know why they included both of those. Did you carry that around on your shoulder? Hold it up above your head outside somebody's bedroom window? Like love, actually? Exactly. Okay. Well, you talk about the risk. You mentioned the risk. Is that part of what makes it addictive to some people? I think so. I think if not initially, uh, because I think a lot of people, I mean, like my shoplifting, it wasn't initially kind of planned out. It was kind of like impulsive. But then like, you know, once I got away with it, maybe a little seed was planted and maybe, you know, I would do it again and think it was pretty low risk, but I think there was always some risk involved. And and I think uh, there's an old saying with people, particularly who get addicted is like, you know, we become almost fearless, which is not a good thing. So people will drive completely blitzed or drunk and feel invincible. And sometimes just being in an addictive mindset really clouds our thinking that number one, we're not hurting anybody. Number two, we're we're, we're not going to hurt ourselves. Number three, that it's no big deal. Here's why I ask. When I was in junior high school, we went on a field trip and we stopped at this convenience store and everybody piled off the bus and went into, into this store. And I, I swiped a couple of packs of baseball cards. 
thought no one was looking, slipped them in my pocket. Well, one of the teachers saw me do it and busted okay. me. And that was the last thing I ever stole. Well, good. You know, it's funny because I've had some clients who've never been caught very rare and i don't think they're lying about it they would uh and or sometimes they've had a close call but a few of them and and i've said to them oh you're what you're what i call the the person who's both lucky and unlucky <laughs> lucky in a sense because you've never been caught but unlucky because you haven't really gotten a slap on the wrist even that might have even slowed you down enough to think about changing your life or getting some kind of help there ain't a lot of specialized help out there for people who steal other than your your local clergy member to go to confess to. So but that but that is a wonderful story, Mike, that, you know, you learned your lesson early. Um, I have had a few people who said, yeah, I learned my lesson early, but somehow maybe later in life something happened like a loss or a trauma or a big event that like threw them overboard or whatever. And they went back into it. Well, it's not something I'm terribly proud of. Well, we're all human, and that doesn't mean we're just saying, uh, you know, everybody's going to do everything. But yeah, sometimes I'll tell my clients, look, I'm not saying stealing is wrong. It's illegal, and thou shall not steal. And most of my clients, surprisingly, maybe surprisingly to a lot of people, they wouldn't necessarily take from individuals. So it's kind of funny. They're out of control in one realm. It might be employee theft or shoplifting or both, but very rarely would they take from an individual. How has technology changed the level of risk involved in shoplifting? There are cameras everywhere, and even if you're not caught right away, it's becoming more and more common that the police can build a case against you after the fact, after the security reviews the footage. I'm having more and more clients who thought they got away with it because they exited the store with no problem, and then a day, a two, week, two, through two months, they get a knock on the door, a phone call, or a letter in the mail saying they are being charged with retail theft. And they, you know, they have evidence of going back on the video. So we're in a whole new world here. Plus stealing things in public. There are cameras everywhere. Even if you're wearing a disguise, which I assume they have clever ways. They're get, they, those people are either going to have to change their identities and get plastic surgery, but they're probably going to be caught at some point. And you can have me back on when that happens. You could get away with a lot more stuff back in the day than you can now. You could for better and worse. Yes. I'm Mike Rogers. Thanks for listening to Something Offbeat. This episode written and produced by Lauren Barry and Chris Blake. Audio editing by Chris Blake. Original music by Myron Kaplan and editorial support from Cooper Mall. And to keep listening, please subscribe to us on the Odyssey app or Spotify, Apple, wherever you get your podcasts. And if you have your own offbeat story that you think we should cover, we'd love to hear about it. Send it to us at somethingoffbeat at odyssey at A-U-D-A-C-Y dot com. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did.